Before we get started with the show today, we have some very exciting news to share. Yes, we have been waiting to share this news for a while. As of today, Marvel podcasts, including Women of Marvel, are available to listen to on Sirius XM. And if you're a Sirius XM subscriber with streaming access, you can listen to Women of Marvel via the Sirius XM mobile app or online at SiriusXM.com. This is so exciting because we're going to be able to reach a whole new audience of listeners and introduce them to all the cool folks that you and I are lucky enough to get to talk to on a regular basis. More Marvelites in the Marvel Universe. We'll have more (laughs) info and announcements to share about this soon, but for now, we just wanted to share the news. And we're celebrating this monumentous occasion with a really special episode today. So sit back and enjoy. I got a text from him that said, did you do theater in high school? (laughs) To which I responded, have you met me? (laughs) That's a resounding yes. Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast. I'm Ellie Pyle. And I'm Angelique Rocher. In this week's jam-packed episode, we're taking an inside look at the new Disney Plus series, Marvel's 616. First, we have an interview with the fabulous Alison Brie, who directed one of the episodes. And then we're talking to some of the incredible high school students who were featured in it. Jam-packed, you say? I can't wait. All right, so we have two interviews for the price of one. What's going on here? Why am I so lucky? So we are gearing up for the release of the Disney Plus series, Marvel 616, which comes out tomorrow. Oh, okay. Look, I don't think it is a secret how much I love Marvel's 616. It's such a cool series. Each episode of the show explores a different story within the Marvel Universe. One of these episodes focuses on the Marvel Spotlight plays, which are plays that you can do with Marvel characters at your high school. I am so excited about this. I am so jealous. What? Yeah. Yeah. The the kids in the episode got to do two of these plays. As a playwright myself, I was obviously super excited. And this episode is very near and dear to my heart. You can't see it at home, but I'm making huge heart hands at Ellie right now because this is amazing. So first up, we'll play my conversation with the amazing director of the series, Allison Brie, who you may know as Annie in Community or Ruth in Glow and many other roles. Humble brag, just a little bit of a drop. No big deal. The most fun thing about doing this episode was just watching these kids explore these characters and and personally realize how similar their journeys and their concerns and, and, you know, their struggles are to my own. Not surprisingly, she's an amazing storyteller and had a lot to say about her experiences working on the show. The stage is is a great little microcosm of life and, and having to be in the moment and uh, and all the lessons that come from that. I can't wait to hear this interview. She was a delight. And once that conversation is over, we'll return with a second conversation, which I had with some of the students featured in her episode. So without further ado, here's Allison Bree. Well, we're here with Allison Bree, and welcome to the Women of Marvel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
So I guess to start off, let's talk about how much you knew about Marvel going into this project. Were you a fan? Did you have favorite characters? I'm absolutely a fan. And I feel like my my earliest memory of knowing what Marvel was and just even having an awareness was in elementary school. I briefly started collecting these like Marvel playing cards, character cards. I don't even know. I just know that there were boys on the playground who collected the cards and I had a crush on one of those boys. So I wanted to collect the cards. I never bought one. I just used it as as an excuse to hang out with the boys. And then they would give me cards that they had doubles of. And I mostly remember getting X-Men characters and that if you put the cards together, the ones that I had made like a big collage, right? Where there was the X-Men characters in a battle with a big guy made of rocks. <laughs> I actually had those exact same cards. That's, really? That's, that's how I wandered into Marvel as well, was that, you know, there was the X-Men cartoon series and that was around mm. the same time that they were doing those cards. Okay. And so my brother and all of his friends were collecting them and that's kind of how I first wandered into a comic book shop was so that they could cool. buy the cards. Yeah. And so very cool. And yes, the X-Men <laughs> were the cards to have. Those were good cards. And and then probably just through movies forever, because I've always been into movies and into acting and all of that kind of thing. And like, I feel like recently I told someone they were like, and who was your like, what Marvel character had the most impact on you? And I said, Iron Man. And they were so disappointed, I think. But I was just like, well, to me, that marked this major shift, right, in terms of the Marvel movies becoming these incredible action films with amazing actors who, you know, and and they were directed so well. I I feel like that, in my personal experience, was a turning point seeing the first Iron Man movie. And obviously Robert Downey Jr. is so incredible. Absolutely. (laughs) So what we're here to talk about today is an episode of Marvel 616 that you directed about Marvel Spotlight program. Yes. So first of all, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that episode? Sure. Um, First of all, Marvel 616, it's an anthology series that we're doing for Disney+. Plus. So every episode is different and every episode covers a different aspect of Marvel in the real world, in this Marvel universe of 616, the world that we live in. So every episode is just so different because it's it's they're truly all different aspects of like different kinds of people relating to Marvel in different ways. There's an episode about cosplay. There's an episode about women behind the scenes, the female editors and the, and the women who are creating characters. My episode is called Spotlight and it's about the Marvel Spotlight program, which is a series of one act plays. There's three one act plays that were specifically written, commissioned by Marvel, hired playwrights, to write these one acts for high school kids. So they deal specifically with teenage Marvel characters, Ms. Marvel, Squirrel Girl, and Thor. But in our episode, we really just cover the students at Brandon High School in Brandon, Florida, who are performing Mirror of Most Value, which is the Ms. Marvel play, and Squirrel Girl Goes to College, which is obviously the Squirrel Girl play. Yes. So how did you get involved to direct this? Well, I got a text. I had just directed an episode of Glow in our third season, and that 
that's my directorial debut. That was my first time directing. And I, well, I hadn't just directed it, but the episode had just come out. And I got a text from Brian McGinn, who works at Supper Club, which is the production company that's doing the series. And he's also a good friend of mine. And I got a text from him that said, did you do theater in high school? <laughs> to which I responded, have you met me? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a resounding yes. Uh, and he was like, would you, do you want to hop on the phone, um, with me and, and Jason, Jason Sturman, who, who works at supper club with him. He's like, we're doing this new series and, and we have an episode that we think you could be right for you as a director. And so then I got on the phone with them and they, and they kind of talked to me about what Marvel spotlight was. I was not familiar with it. And I, don't, I think a lot of people are not, and it's fairly new. It is. Um, so they sort of gave me the background on that and they said, we've already, they were deep in the process of producing this whole series and they had already vetted a number of high schools and kind of chosen the school and, and asked if I would want to come and direct that episode. And, and, you know, they really, I got to just give them a lot of credit because they made it very difficult to say no. They were just sort of like, I, I was kind of like, guys, I've never directed a documentary anything before. I, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you think I might be capable of that. And they, and they were really like, this story is about high school students and their experience with high school theater. So don't be intimidated by the marvel of it and don't be intimidated by the documentary aspect of it. If it, if it sounds like that resonates with you because of your personal experience, let us know and we're going to help and stick by you and like walk you through it and give you a great team and surround you with amazing people and uh, here to answer any questions you have should things go awry which they did not. So yeah, that was basically the conversation. And, and then I, then it was just a personal conversation with myself of being like, I don't know, am I going to be capable of doing this? And I guess I, I won't know until I try it. Which interestingly mirrors the journey that some of the kids in the episode <laughs> go on. Oh, absolutely. The most fun thing about doing this episode was just watching these kids explore these characters and and personally realize how similar their journeys and their concerns and and you know their struggles are to my own and i think to many adults and kids going into it I, that was another aspect where on my way to the school for the first time i was thinking is it going to be so different to work with teens today? Like what does high school theater look like today? And how is that different from when I was doing high school theater and we didn't have phones and like, you know, I don't know. I just think of this aspect of social media and how much I always imagine that must impact kids' lives. And it does, but on a very base level, their struggles are the same as mine were in high school and as mine continue to be. I've probably watched the episode over a hundred times through editing it and I cry all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I it. made it a couple minutes in before I started crying because I was also a theater kid and still am oh, in great. many ways. Same, <laughs> so, same. Yeah. Um, so did you find that, you know, your experiences having done high school theater gave you a unique perspective on this story? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Um I just have a real intimate understanding, I think, of what high school theater is and what it can mean to a student when they're in it. And I think that's a big part of what I wanted to show was something about the scope of the plays. And, you know, even the way that we shot it, I think it's we're really trying to put you in the shoes of these students mm -hmm. and 
and kind of how, you know, monumental of a thing it can feel like to perform this play in front of your peers and, you know, the pressure that goes with that, but also how much it builds your confidence and the high of doing it and, and sort of you're watching them become their own superheroes mm -hmm. as they take on, you know, their own insecurities and things like that. And so definitely I felt like I could relate to that in a lot of ways. So with a documentary, rather than, you know, a scripted drama, you're kind of discovering the story as you go. Was there yeah. anything that surprised you in terms of how all this played out? You know, the main thing that surprised me was how much the kids genuinely related to their characters and learned from their characters. And it is what scared me the most because I mean, I've only directed one episode of television, you know, fictional television, but I've acted in television and films for many years. And I'm, I'm just such a preparer, you know, I love to be prepared and having a, like a script to study, even on the directing side and think of every aspect of how you're going to shoot it and, and how you're going to come at it. And whew, the first couple days, you know, at the school, I was just sort of like, I'm uncomfortable, just not knowing. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. We just have to see, you know, honestly, that was probably just the first day. And then right away, first of all, these students are so intelligent and so passionate. Even the kids that are not as passionate about theater were excited to do these plays. They have a ton of energy. Um, they were excited that we were making a documentary, which was kind of an interesting aspect to it all. And also they were so unguarded, really willing to let us in and talk about their deep insecurities and, and certain things that, you know, ways in which they feel like they've failed, things that they're trying to overcome, which was so generous and just in ways that I think, I don't know if certain adults could even open up so much in that way. Yeah, we really didn't know who was going to be cast as what character. So even at first, you're like, what students are we going to follow? I guess we'll see who gets what role and how they feel about it. And then it did really surprise me how, how genuinely, and it probably speaks to Courtney Kyle, their teacher, in how, what a great teacher she is, in that she was casting students. You know, she really makes a point to say in the doc, it's high school theater. It should be fun. It should be about learning. It's not just about like giving this amazing performance and prove yourself. And I think she was so mindful with the way that she cast students knowing who would relate to what characters. It's really a testament to Courtney and, and what a great teacher she is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I thought it was really cool how you do have the main kids of the documentary, but you are able to find some great moments with some of the other kids who aren't necessarily playing lead roles in the plays as well. Sure. I'm, that was the hardest thing about making the episode is just that there, all the kids were great. Yeah. <laughs> all of the kids were great and interesting characters and all so unique. I mean, there was a point when our producer, Claire DeGress, was like, could we just make our own mini series just about? <laughs> so they were like, no, it's just an episode. You know, you guys, there's a bigger, there's a larger thing at play. But God, I couldn't have done it without Claire. She was an incredible producer. But but it's true that we just, it was an embarrassment of riches, actually. In term, whereas I went into it thinking, oh gosh, I'm worried. Are we not going to have enough material that relates to Marvel and relates to these characters? And we really, there really was so much. And it's true that each student is such a character, even students that we couldn't follow so much. So let's talk a little bit about the plays themselves. What do you think 
the kids really found in these plays that made this a unique opportunity to kind of explore the high school theater experience? I think something cool about the plays, well, first of all, the marvel of the plays is a major factor in getting the kids to be excited about doing theater. And if I'm being honest, when it, when it was first pitched to me, I had this knee jerk uh, theater snob, you know, I was like a high school drama club president, co-president, and also shout out to Lindsay Squibb. Um, and also, <laughs> <laughs> and also went to college for theater. And I had a moment of kind of being like, so in high school, they're going to teach kids Marvel plays and not like Shakespeare. Are we, are they missing an opportunity? But really, the more I learned about the plays, and I have to say, part of that was on this podcast, one of the first things I did was listen to the two episodes in which the playwrights of Squirrel Girl Goes to College and Ms. Marvel were interviewed on this podcast. And uh, it was so interesting to hear their approach to writing the characters and to writing them for teens and talking to Courtney Kyle, their teacher, and hearing that you know, it was her way of exposing so many more students to theater in high school. And it can be such a valuable resource to high school students because it's not just about performance. It's not about, do you want to be an actor for a living? You know, it really is about socializing and about gaining confidence and about learning things about yourself and overcoming fears and things like that. So I think the marvel of it all plays a huge part because certain students that just wouldn't be interested in doing high school theater at all were suddenly really engaged and excited. And then the second thing is that the characters are their age. Yeah. You know, Ms. Marvel is in high school. Obviously, Squirrel Girl is going to college, but <laughs> she's Close just enough. starting. She's just starting. Um, so I think it's like they can really relate to it. That's, that's the purpose of why they were written is to say, look at this girl, Kamala Khan. She is going to classes, she's uh, feeling unsure about herself, she's tripping over her big feet and her big hands as they're morphing, and she has these new powers, but she doesn't know how to use them, and that's making her insecure, and she's lying to her friends, and I think a lot of those things are, are things that these students can relate to just on a basic level of, yeah, I'm in high school, I know how it feels to feel insecure, to you know, feel like other students are judging you because you're different. And I think that became a really good connective tissue for the students with the material. That was the goal with these plays. And that's always kind of the goal of Marvel material in general, I think, is to, uh, as we like to say, reflect the world outside your window. And, you know, sometimes that can be the world of what's going on inside your head as, yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. So you spoke about wanting to always be prepared as a director. We talked a little bit about how you couldn't prepare for this. Uh, what kind of preparations were you able to do going into this project? Well, they really were all based on the plays. So truly, I started with the podcast, listening to the playwrights and, and how they went about writing the plays. And then... I read the plays and then I did a lot of online research about the characters, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, <laughs> embarrassingly, I didn't do like a deep dive into the comics because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not me preparing to play Squirrel Girl, right. you know, and it's also not me preparing to direct one of these plays. Right. I think that I wanted to really know what the plays were about, what the kids were going to be working on, what those characters were about. And then I just wanted to be a clean slate and be really open to 
the kids' experiences. So truly beyond that, that was it. And then it was just all, it made it the best thing about this job, honestly. In the five days, our first trip out was five days. And I day one to my producer, I just, I don't know if documentaries for me. I just uh, I couldn't prepare. It feels weird. By day five, I was like, I don't want to leave. What if we just stay here for four months? Like, uh, cause, you know, we divided it up into smaller trips because we couldn't really be, you know, commandeering their class time for that long. And uh, I just got so immediately actually addicted to this kind of problem solving in the moment and following the story and follow that student. And, oh, well, we have 10 minutes. Can we grab talking to this person? And that became the fun thing and the, and the learning experience for me throughout the whole process. Even as we continued to gather footage and material over the course of three months of, of you know, five trips over three months that I was not always on, it was just like watching a ton of footage and, and sort of saying, oh, here's where the story is going. Oh, that's interesting. And then in editing, it became a whole another beast and interesting thing. Did you find that things had changed significantly when you would kind of make another trip out and drop back in and catch up with the kids from when you had last touched base with them? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, mostly it was our producer, Claire, who was on the ground as we got deeper into shooting, who she was going back and then sending me footage. And then we were having a lot of phone calls about like, Get, talk to this student more about this, this and this, you know, <laughs> um, we were on the journey with these students essentially in real time. And some of them didn't have like this total linear, like just building, building, building confidence. You know, you see some people who start out very confident mm -hmm. right away and then that kind of dips as they go on. So it, it was sort of changing and morphing. I do think these students got more comfortable with the cameras. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Did yeah. you find that during the editing process, there was anything that kind of emerged where suddenly it all came together in a way you weren't expecting? Sure. Yeah. The editing process was so interesting because of COVID-19. So I wasn't mm -hmm. able, it was, it, it, the editing process was like a strange game of telephone with our editor and our producers and like a lot of Zoom calls. But normally you would go in and get to sit with the editor for hours and kind of try a whole bunch of different things. I mean, the flip side is that we were lucky to sort of have this period of time, this uninterrupted period of time to really work on it. But it would the process alone was so interesting because we sort of would start with one format and then suddenly be like, wait, we should flip this completely. Wait, did that student say this? Do we have more footage again with her talking about that part of her journey? I feel like it all came together. I mean, of course, in the editing, it's the final stage, but also because you can take a step back and just look at everything really objectively, you know, the rush of being there in the moment, you're sort of just like, it's a mad dash to collect as much information as possible. And I think that's also why it was good to have breaks in between the trips in which Claire and I could talk and, you know, sort of be like, these students have been talking a lot about this. Should we follow that trail? So was there anything from this experience that you think will influence how you direct projects in the future? I think that it helped with troubleshooting in the moment, which is invaluable. I mean, even when I was directing the episode of Glow, I was so prepared. You, it, like, you just learn right away. And watching my husband direct his first feature too, where you prepare for every possible scenario and somehow 
some other new scenario will pop up in the moment. There's no way to predict everything that will happen. You know, so this was sort of a crash course in like not being able to predict anything that would happen. And uh, I think that was really good practice, probably for life also. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is true. And speaking of, you know, preparing for anything that could possibly happen, I am curious if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with the theater kids out there who are kind of looking at the world right now thinking, you know, oh no, what should I do with my life? Um, <laughs> that I, I, I think this episode is going to hit a particular chord coming out now. <sighs> yeah. I think there will always be a place for entertainment, you know, and right now, obviously live theater, it's really difficult to do and pull that off, but there are so many different mediums for performance and so much that you can take from um, studying theater. I mean, people that I went to school with work in all different types of jobs that are, some are more performative and some less so. But I think that there's hope in that you just, you really hone your craft and then you try to make things that people will enjoy and there will always be a need for that. I know this is not theater specific. This is just sort of like entertainment specific, but I have days where I, you know, sort of feel like there's so much going on in the world and as an entertainer, who cares? You know, it doesn't feel quite as important as certain jobs right now. But on the flip side of it, and even if we look at everything going on and people who are quarantining in their homes and people that can't go to work, it's always been an amazing outlet for escapism, for, you know, to uplift people, to make them laugh. Sometimes people just want to laugh. Yes. <laughs> and theater has always been about having that kind of a shared experience. I think, you know, I think that things will always come back around, so I wouldn't worry. So were there any particular memories of high school theater or just your time in theater in general that working on this episode brought up for you? I, you know, I thought a lot about my friends in theater. It was such a tight-knit group, and, and when Courtney talks about it being a home away from home or this other family for the kids, that definitely is something that I could really relate to. Not, not that I needed a home away from home, but just how fun it was to fall in with my theater friends in high school. I had like my two other friends <laughs> and then my, my theater friends and, and the theater room, you know, of course, since I, I went to South Pasadena high school and since I've gone there, they've redesigned the whole school and torn it down. But when I was there, there was what we called the little theater. So there was like the main school auditorium. And then there was the little theater, which is where we had classes and also where we did our fall very serious play. And the spring musical was in the larger theater. And it just was this really safe space where you could eat lunch in there, you could hang out and do more work. But we had a very serious theater program and credit should go to my theater teacher, Donna Tucker, who, for me, amazing. I think really she instilled a great work ethic in me, you know, from my freshman year on. And there are ways that she had us approaching character and scene study that I, I think I still apply mm -hmm. when I'm reading scripts and looking at work. But <laughs> I think she she really wanted everyone to take the program very seriously. And we're in Los Angeles. The program, even though we were at a public high school, was really catered towards students that were very serious and passionate about 
drama. And what I loved about Brandon High School and meeting Courtney is that she felt almost the opposite. She was like, how many students can I expose to drama and to theater? So I think I really admired, while for me, my high school experience was perfect for me, and, I, and, and I'll remember it for the rest of my life. At the same time, I just so admired Courtney and her stance. And again, even her reasoning behind seeking out these Marvel Spotlight plays was to get more students involved. I almost found it more fun having had this really insular experience in my high school drama program where it was just like drama all the time. We're super serious about it. You know, I'm like so delighted to watch a student discover theater and then discover new things about herself through doing a play. I, those were kind of the juicy nuggets for me. And again, a credit to Courtney as a teacher for, you know, being able to see that she had the right kids for these plays, in addition to believing these plays would draw additional kids in. Absolutely. She said, it was interesting watching her cast the plays because she was like, I have certain people in mind for some things, but for some of the kids, she's like, oh, this will bring them out of their shell more. And for others, she's like, I know they can shine here. She's a good teacher, man. Which makes all the difference in Mm -hmm. so many things, but I think especially in the arts. Absolutely. To have that encouragement, fantastic. Because it's a big risk, you know? I think theater, it's it's all about really putting yourself out there. And in live theater, more so than anything. And in high school live theater, performing for your fellow high school students. (laughs) Just... It doesn't get more nerve wracking. They're already superheroes, you know, putting themselves at risk on a daily basis. <laughs> I, it's true. I When I was in high school, when, okay, wait, here's a funny theater story. So I feel like it was a, during the summer, we were maybe right about to go back to school. And my drama teacher recommended that I go audition for this local theater, the Fremont Center Theater, which was like two blocks from our high school, but it was like a working sort of community theater. And they were doing a kid's play. And I was probably in between freshman and sophomore year, it was like 15 or 16, maybe. I had to be 15. And the play was like really a kid's play. Like there were kids, there were some adults in it, and there were kids who were quite small. And the play was called Scary Harry sings success and it was a musical (laughs) there was a big monster and there was like a monster who was scary it really was for children and so the material was like a little cheesy you know what i mean we like Mm -hmm. sang a song that was like i could be an actor or a chiropractor maybe i'll (laughs) deliver the mail i'll never forget it um it's funny how those stick with you like forever (laughs) yes so my drama teacher's like I can tell that you've got this passion for drama and you could make it professionally and you should start, you should audition and do this play at this professional theater. So I go, I audition, I get a part and I'm doing the play. And one of the other girls in the play is a girl in my class's little sister who's like 10 years old. So then when it comes time to perform the play, the sister who is in my grade who wasn't, I wouldn't say she was like this like popular mean girl or something, but she came to see the play with her family and some of her friends. And it was very embarrassing for me <laughs> because they were like, oh, I'm going to go see my like little sister's kids play that she's doing at the playhouse down the block for $3. 
And then in front of like my high school peers, I had to be like, it really doesn't matter if you climb the corporate ladder, as long as you're giving all that you've got. Success, success. It was like, I have to say though, one of those great, like amazing learning experiences where I was like, God, if I can get through this, I really, you know, being an actor, sometimes you just have to make a fool out of yourself a little bit and that's okay. (laughs) It might be a little embarrassing, but I learned a lot from doing a a sort of semi-professional public theater. Yeah. And I will definitely never forget it because it was mortifying. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right that, you know, there are some jobs that come with a certain level of, okay, I have gotten through this. I can get through a variety of other things. (laughs) Yes. And and maybe I'll think twice before doing like another children's theater thing. (laughs) Maybe I'll be like just a little hair more choosy. Which is always a nice moment, I think, even for people who are doing theater as students or as a hobby, that moment when you realize, oh, I can pick my projects. Sure. (laughs) That is something I have the power to do, is decide that maybe this show isn't for me. Definitely. An empowering moment for any person. And I want to say in any line of work, right, it's got to feel good to be like, you know what, I don't want this job. You'd be lucky to have me. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I do honestly really stand by the learning and growth that happens from making a fool of yourself. Absolutely. And I do think that something that was like echoed, I mean, in that experience and all through even college and auditioning as actors, we're constantly being humiliated. And the thing that you're learning, which these kids are learning in this doc, is truly that you can't care what other people think. And it's something that you have to relearn. I feel like I have to relearn it on a weekly basis monthly basis sometimes. And sometimes I really don't. And I'm kind of in a good self-confident mode. But it was interesting talking to some of these young actors at Brandon High who want to be professional actors and, and you know, a handful of them and sort of were like, what should we know or this and that? I'm like, well, you got it. It's a, it's a self-propelling industry, you know, mm-hmm. like, because you're not always going to have other people saying to you, that was great. And like, definitely keep doing this. You're going to have way more people saying the opposite. And then you have to be the self-driving force that propels you through. I think you guys covered really well the fact that failure is a part of, you know, taking those risks and that sometimes you're not going to get it right, but sometimes you can pivot in the moment. And the important thing is that you keep going. Exactly. I think that our failures we certainly learn more from our failures than our successes. And I think when you fall hard, you have to learn those lessons of how to pick yourself back up again. And that can be the most important thing you learn in a lifetime. And in theater, sometimes if you think you failed, nobody else even noticed. Totally. As as you covered. <laughs> Honestly, even in film and television, I will talk with actors all the time. And then being on the directing side of it, too, especially gave me perspective on how, you know, sometimes you'll act in a scene and in your mind, you're just, oh, nailed it. And then the director wants you to do it differently or a different way. And you're like, oh, I don't really, you know, or you'll have scenes where you go, oh, I just didn't feel, I wasn't total, I wasn't feeling it today. I wasn't as in it as I would have liked to be. And then you'll watch it later and you just go, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Most of the time. And also, look, I've also had, because I've been doing theater since I was, I don't know, seven years old, community theater and stuff like that, um, that I've had moments of going up on a line and 
been able to cover it well. And I've also had moments of going up on a line and not covering it very well. I think my parents have videos of that on a VHS somewhere, <laughs> so no one will be able to watch. But but yes, exactly. It's like the, the the stage is is a great little microcosm of life and and having to be in the moment and uh, and all the lessons that come from that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for being here. And you are welcome to come back and <laughs> talk about theater or acting or anything else anytime you want. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Allison Bree for such a great conversation. Let's jump right into our next interview. All right. So for those of us not taking notes, can you remind us? Who did you talk to for this one? I got to speak to Madeline Stanley and Brianna Morales, two students at Brandon High School, the school featured in the episode. Madeline got to play Doreen Green, also known as Squirrel Girl, in Squirrel Girl Goes to College. And Brianna got to play Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, in in Mirror of Most Value. Squirrel Girl, Kamala Khan, one, best friend goals, but also amazing roles to play in high school or anywhere for that matter. Absolutely. And they both crushed it. We'll talk about what it was like for them to perform without giving too many spoilers away from the episode, of course, because again, it comes out tomorrow. Okay, I'm ready. Let's hear it. So to start off today, Maddie and Bree, why don't you both tell us a little bit about who you are <laughs> and what grade you're currently in and who you played in the Marvel Spotlight plays. Okay. Um, my name is Maddie. I'm 19 years old. I am graduated, so I'm not in high school anymore. And I played school girl. Hi, I'm Brianna Morales. I'm in the 10th grade and I played Kamala Khan in the Miss Marvel play. And to help our audience get to know you better, what do you both like to do in your free time? What do you like to study? Um, for me, I am a lazy person. So I just kind of lay on my bed and watch TV or play video games or something. I love Animal Crossing so much. I'm addicted. <laughs> so there's that. I usually hang out with my friends in my free time if I can, um, listen to music, and play with my makeup. Those are all good things. <laughs> Brianna, how about you? Um, I'm very busy. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff to do. So usually in my free time, I just try to relax. But if I can, I end up playing some video games or hanging out with friends, like Maddie said. Or I do things with my ROTC cadets. and We try to meet up and do things and bond over time. But yeah, that's what I mostly do. So talk to me a little bit about the plays. You both got the opportunity to star in the Marvel Spotlight plays at your schools. So how did it feel when you found out that, you know, these were the plays you were going to be doing? How did it feel when you found out the roles you were going to be playing? <laughs> so for me, whenever I first heard about it, because I was like the basic Marvel fan, I watched some of the movies. I didn't know all of it. I don't know a lot about Marvel not to out myself, but whenever I heard, whenever I heard Squirrel Girl goes to college, I was like, Squirrel Girl? Like, I was like, what? <laughs> and then Miss Kyle had the dolls out on a chair, and I saw Squirrel Girl, and I was like, dude, she looks just like me. So I was like, and she's like, thick. And I was like, superheroes can be thick. And I was like, what? <laughs> so 
I immediately was like, okay, I have to play her. Like, that's me as a doll. Very good casting there. Rihanna, how about you? How was your experience of finding out that these were the plays and then what role you would have in them? Well, it was very similar to Maddie's. I'd never heard of Kamala Khan and it was very interesting. Like once I read her story, it was like a very different superhero compared to your basic superhero, which is a white male or female who has this superpower and they're like this, they're like that. They're either very strict and serious or they're bubbly and fun and nice. But Kamala, she's like this clumsy goofy type of teenager and you usually don't really see teenage superheroes so you get to really put yourself in her shoes because she's a lot like a lot of people she's very relatable so I thought that's that's crazy because she sounds a lot like me she may not look like me but she sounds a lot like me so I was just very drawn to the story and I was just thinking what if I do get the lead role? What would I do? And the next day I saw my name <laughs> and I just was flipping. <laughs> I could not believe it. I did not expect it at all. So what did you each find most relatable in your characters? Because you both kind of mentioned the relatability. I don't know. There's so much about Doreen and I just felt like, I kind of just felt like like it was me but like also not fully me at the same time. But like, I kind of relate in the aspect that whenever she was in high school, she didn't have really many friends. She only had her one friend who didn't even really like her in the first place. So <laughs> I kind of related with that because I kind of didn't have friends, but I kind of did at the same time. It was like weird. So I was just like, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> I've had a few of those situations myself over the years. <laughs> Uh, how about you Brianna what did you relate to most in Kamala um mostly her geeky clumsiness I'm very clumsy but I'm also like a geek and everybody pretty much knows it and her defense like she's a very um defensive person and just the way she acts the stuff she's interested in it's a lot like mine like if she was a real person I feel like I would be really good friends with her of course, with acting, the goal here is that you are not exactly like your character to start with. You become that way over the course of the process. What kind of mm -hmm. an acting background do each of you have going into this? Um, for me, I was all over the place. I really didn't do much theater, and the theater that I did do, it was at Brandon. So I went back and forth. Like My first ever role at Brandon, I was this like super heavy drug addict at a rehab center and then the next play I played someone's wife <laughs> so I pretty much just did like this back and forth like roles the role that I had before school girl was actually a super intense angry I played someone's mind in a play so I was literally like yelling at them telling them they're not good enough like you're not good enough no one likes you and then I went to Doreen where she was a person who thought that and thought like why am I messing up everyone's life and stuff like that? Yeah, for me, um, I don't really have <laughs> much. Um, this play is actually my first ever interaction with acting pretty much at all. Throughout the years of growing up, I have tried to sign over to um, agents and 
as a little girl, I've always loved acting. I tried to reenact what I would see on TV and I would love to write my own scripts and imagine myself as this character and what I would change, what I would do, how I would react, like all of that. And it just, it's been like that for years. And then I went to Blake. I got accepted in for the theater uh, magnet program, but it all became too much at once because everybody seemed like they knew what they were doing and I knew nothing. So I only have basically my background of just <laughs> my street knowledge, if that makes sense. But going to Brandon, Miss Kyle was very nice and patient and she saw potential in me that even I didn't see. And I think that's why she gave me this lead role is to prove to myself that I can do this. And I guess I did it. That's great. So we won't go too far into how things turned out because, you know, the episode comes out tomorrow and we don't want to spoil it for people who haven't had a chance to watch it yet. (laughs) But can you tell us a little bit about the rehearsal process? So with the rehearsal process, I remember I at first found it very difficult to connect with Squirrel Girl. I was like, um, I <laughs> I don't know why it was just so hard for me to find her character. But I remember at some point, I think it was when I got closer to memorizing the script, I switched and I was like, okay, okay, I feel her now. She's there. Okay, Doreen, here we are. <laughs> um, and I know when that switch flipped, I immediately got more energetic and I kind of saw how Doreen was this like super bubbly and kind of like crazy bouncing off the walls kind of girl. I don't know. I just kind of felt that. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, here comes the sass and here comes the bouncing around and stuff like that. So (laughs) that was, I think, the most challenging part of the rehearsal process for me was trying to find her. But I loved rehearsing that play every day um there was at one point where I was like I told my boyfriend I was like Michael come in come watch he was like I have to go to class I was like I don't care come watch (laughs) so it was super fun and I loved working on it every day and finding new places I need to work on and helping other people and it was super fun yeah basically same for me like it was a very 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 fun experience it was kind of stressful once it headed towards the date of the play, because everybody was freaking out and it was just like, oh no, what if I mess up? This is serious, it's on camera. You can't edit this out, really. (laughs) So it's just, it's kind of uh, breathtaking. And it was my first play and I, I didn't know what to do, how to react. So during rehearsals, I was just being myself, being goofy, but I, think I played around too much to the point of where I didn't take myself as serious as I should. So I I took myself too serious last minute. And I think that messed it up a bit for me because I had to break down and cry for a minute because I was stressing myself out too much when it was really easy to connect with Kamala because she's very much like me. I love people like that. So I didn't attempt to quote unquote connect. But what I didn't realize is that I was already connected with her, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. So you mentioned the cameras and how did the experience of this being a documentary, (laughs) you know, 
change what is already a very <laughs> stressful experience of doing a show? Um, for me, I remember the first day was auditions and I already, it was kind of rushed because we were trying to get everyone done at the same time or not the same time, but like within a day and it was pretty rushed and I didn't really have time to read through the script and find my character because we also had to grade the people that were auditioning. So I remember for me, <laughs> I couldn't find Doreen enough and I really, really wanted this role. So I went up there and auditioned and it was kind of hard for me to focus because I am not used to auditioning with cameras and they were kind of just like, whoa, and then there's a mic above me and I'm like, um, wow, I uh, want squirrel friends and also human friends. <laughs> I was, I did not feel it at all whenever I was done. I remember I was telling my friend, I was like, yeah, I don't think I did good. And then I turn around and the cameras are behind me and the mic is over our little group and I'm like, oh my God, they're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was different for everyone. I don't think anybody who auditioned had been on camera like that before. And it was just like, you mm -hmm. couldn't, there was no time to just accept it. You had to just do it. And if you didn't do it, then yeah. you failed. So I don't know how to explain it. It was just, you had to be there in the moment to feel it. Yeah. And then they would tell us, just pretend like we're not there. And it's yeah. like, it's really hard to, <laughs> because there's two giant cameras in my face. So what was the most fun part of this experience? For me, I already knew pretty much everyone that was in my class. So, like, I mean, I love them, but, like, I'm around them every day, so I already know them. But for me, meeting the crew from the documentary, they were all so super sweet and super fun. I hung around the producers more, and one of the sound guys and one of the camera guys, and my mom was having fun with it. They came to our house and we got, we all got there at the same time. And she goes, anybody want coffee? <laughs> like, I'll make you coffee. <laughs> They're all unpacking. So I think it was meeting them. They were all super, like, I thought it was going to be like super intense and like, you got to get this done. But they're all like super friendly and like, take your time. This is about you. And I'm like, whoa, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was nice to meet them. They were they were very nice. I expected them, since they work with a, such a big company, to be, as Maddie said, very serious and stern about it. But they yeah. were very, um, very understanding. But the most funnest part for me, I think it would have to be bonding with my crew, my cast. I got to see everybody play their roles and how different they were with it as well as all the laughs we had and the mistakes we made. And we just, it was a very fun time to be in that period and just rehearse it. <laughs> it was so fun for us because we just got to play around with it. What's your favorite thing about acting? Ooh, mine is getting to explore the different emotions and the reactions to those emotions. And I like doing really fun stuff like jumping off of desks, for instance. <laughs> Like, I could just run out there and be like, wah! But no, I'm going to jump up on a desk and then jump down because I love doing stuff like that. I think um, it puts in more of, like, the the character, but it's also fun for me, the actor. But it's definitely the emotions. The range of emotions that you have to feel within acting is insane. 100% agree. It's like, once you get to learn how to flip that switch... It's very fun to just be able to feel one way and then another. I love the fact that you can be a different character and you can become someone else, meaning 
you can live a life like someone else or you can be someone else. So it's just, to me, it's a way to escape reality and to get creative. And that's what I think I love most about it. Definitely. I know for me, I always use acting as an escape. So um, like I said, with the play that I did before I did the Marvel Spotlights, it was our one act competition piece. And I was a very, very angry brain yelling at someone that they're not good enough. So if I had a really bad day, I would put my all into that role. And it would just kind of like relief that. It's like going and working out after a really bad day. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to go hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like that. It's, it's a really good like escape and a way to get your real emotions out by using someone else's emotions that makes sense (laughs) makes complete sense in fact uh (laughs) one of the earliest people to have ever written about theater um aristotle said that that was the purpose of theater was as a place to get all of those negative emotions out both for the people on stage and for the audience yeah that's why i cry at sad romance exactly So is there a particular kind of role that each of you would like to play someday? Ooh, are you talking about like kind of role or like a specific person? I'll, I'll, I'll take either one. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> so for the kind of role, I would love to play a really, really dramatic, like screaming at your cheating husband, like that kind of role. But also I think I'd probably be better at comedy. <laughs> like Melissa McCarthy is one of my biggest inspirations. I love her so much. I think she's hilarious. As for the specific character, I always wanted to play Maureen from Rent and Janet. If they ever do like a Three's Company redo, I want to play Janet really bad. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, for me, um, it's pretty much the opposite. <laughs> I would love, 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 love to be in a scary movie or a horror movie. I have always adored Tim Burton throughout my whole childhood. I loved watching the movies. And I think I would really, really desperately love to be a Tim Burton character, if anything. But if not that, then I would love to be in a horror scary movie. And I love the way that Viola Davis acts, like her dramatic way of emotions. She has uh, different characters. She can make herself a different way, seem a different way, act a different way. It's like her range of what she can do is endless. And I look up to that. So pretty much every role she's been in, I would love to do that. I would love to step up and try to be like her. I'm the same way with Monona Ryder. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some good choices of role models. Um, So... Have you both seen the episode? Mm-mm. No, I cannot wait. <laughs> I have a countdown going on my Instagram story. I'm like, all right, it's 29 days away. All right, it's 20 days away. <laughs> <laughs> How's this then? What do you most hope to see in the episode? And it doesn't count as a spoiler because you don't know if it's actually there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait to see. Okay, so from the trailer... There is a clip, like I said, of me jumping off a desk because I'm that kind of person. <laughs> and I am, I'm in my scroll girl outfit and they filmed me from behind. So all you see is my silhouette. And I, oh my gosh, I love that clip so much. You just see me jumping off. Whoosh. <laughs> so I want to see how, like what they show of the actual play 
to see how they like did it artistically because they were on stage with us and then they filmed it from down um, off the stage. So I really want to see like how they incorporated everything. Um, I also want to see because I know my story, but I don't know anyone else's story. And I want to see what their stories are, uh, the other people that got followed. Just like the documentary people, they saw it more artistically than I think we ever will. And the way yeah. that they captured it, I think, is what we really want to see. I don't think you'll be disappointed. <laughs> I don't think so either. The trailer looked really nice. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I started crying whenever I, <laughs> my mom sent me the link to this like article that had the clips and the trailer on it. And I screamed whenever I saw myself. And then I started <laughs> crying when I saw like Joey and all of them. I was like, oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah, seeing everybody is going to be awesome. So do you all have advice to any other students who get to have a chance to do these plays? Oh my gosh. So it's so fun to do. So just like take it and play with it and have fun with it because it's not a serious play. It's not entirely like a crazy, funny, random play, but there's definitely points where you can get really upset and really dramatic. And then there's points where you can take it and have fun and be dramatic and be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so definitely have fun with it however you please. Yeah. And to add on to that, I'd definitely say try and find your character before anything. Study as much as you can about them and make sure that you show everything you know through the play because Kamala is such a cool person. And I wish I would have portrayed that more in the play than I do and know now. So, yeah, I'd say just find yourself in the character and have fun with it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I really loved y'all's play. <laughs> I you loved know. you guys, too. <laughs> the end was Thank amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I am looking forward to watching the show. Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) Yes, thank you. This is a wonderful experience. I'm so happy me and Maddie get to share this together. (laughs) Oh, yeah. When I got the email, I collapsed and I was like, it's already happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is great, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Madeline Stanley and Brianna Morales for joining me. If you want to see them in action, you can stream Marvel's 616 on Disney Plus starting tomorrow, November 20th. And for anybody who's interested in more information about the plays themselves, you can check that out at marvelspotlightplays.com. The three plays that we currently have available are Squirrel Girl Goes to College by Karen Zacharias, Hammered, a Thor and Loki play by Christian Borel, and Mirror of Most Value, a Miss Marvel play by Masi Asari. Okay, so we heard from a lot of amazing people. I, as usual, have so many questions for you, Ellie. What did you like most about this episode of Marvel 616? And what should fans be most excited to find out from this episode no spoilers yeah i know it's hard because i am not going to spoil who 
my favorite cameo in this episode. Not like cameo in the sense that it's someone you'll recognize, but like my favorite minor character in this episode is very specific and I'm not going to spoil it for you. But what I will say is that I was literally in tears just a couple minutes into this episode because they talk about how theater is a family. And I think that particularly during this moment in all of our lives, we're all really Really appreciating the communities that we have and the communities that we came from and the things that connect us to other people even when we can't see them oh i love this my, my theater family is always very close to my heart so whenever anyone pulls on that particular string i'm just you know a mess so Tell me what has been getting you through this time in our lives. What have you been up to reading, watching, anything exciting? So many exciting things. Marvel's Voices, Indigenous Voices number one is on the bookshelves. Uh, I'm very excited. It is in comic book stores. You can get it on digital as well as we have an amazing essay from Darcy Little Badger talking about writing for Daniel Moonstar and why Daniel Moonstar is such a big character for her and the impact that that character had on her life, as well as there's been an announcement of the next Marvel's Voices. And so I've been reading some very cool things that I cannot talk about that will be coming out in February. That is so exciting. As always, if you enjoyed this conversation or just want to say hi, you can tweet us at Marvel using the hashtag Women of Marvel. We love hearing from you. And as I am going to say all the time, because we do really appreciate it, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. Uh, and don't be shy about leaving one on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, it, you know, it helps more people find our show. And honestly, uh, November is my birthday month. And again, I'm just going to say, if you want to keep giving me gifts which include ratings and reviews i will take them absolutely birthdays last the whole month so that should be a whole month of ratings and reviews until next time this is marvel your universe women of marvel is produced by rebecca seidel and zachary goldberg along with ellie pyle and me angelique rocher our development manager is karen heffa and jill deboff is our director of audio Special thanks to Allison Bree, Madeline Stanley, and Brianna Morales.